folks, holidays right around the season, and this year you should give that cyclist in your life the gift of speed. Uh, that's right. If you sign up for a 2020 subscription to Velo News Magazine, you can get a copy of the Cyclist Training Bible by Joel Friel for free. This is the award-winning book that has helped generations of cyclists master their training and get faster. And right now, sign up for a print subscription. Get Joe's book, Cyclist Training Bible, for free. Also, you can give the gift of healthy nutrition because the other book we are offering for free when you sign up for a subscription right now is Feed Zone Table by B.G. Thomas and Dr. Alan Lim. This is a great book that tells you how to cook for the cyclists in your life, how to make meals that will last you the entire week, that have all the protein, carbohydrates, and good stuff to power you on those long training rides. So uh, it's The Cyclist Training Bible by Joe Friel and Feed Zone Table, both books that you can get for free if you sign up for a print subscription of Melody's Magazine, which, as you know, has just the best stuff in it it's written by myself and the rest of the Velo News staff. Okay, head on over to Velo Press for this deal. VeloPress.com. Uh, click through, subscribe, and get your free book. Okay, let's get on with the podcast. Uh, Fred Dreyer here. Welcome back to the Velo News Podcast. Quick podcast this week. I caught up with Gage Hecht, the new U.S. National Cyclocross champion, a couple days after he won that title in Tacoma. Uh, Gage talks about his race. Uh, great chat with him. We have a great story on the women's champion, Clara Hansinger, on the site right now. I suggest you go check that out as well. Um, quick little programming note. I am going to squeeze in one more podcast before the holidays. So uh, stay tuned for one more podcast, probably a mystery guest. Andrew Hood is on a beach somewhere. I've been trying to get in touch with him. Hoodie, pick up your WhatsApp. He's not listening to the podcast. He doesn't listen to the podcast. But you do. And because you do, I'm going to give you a nice Christmas treat which is one more podcast before we break for the holidays i will be off the week afterwards uh don't try to whatsapp me i will not be answering that so just a quick little programming note on that end okay let's get on to gauge hecht and i will talk to you next week Uh, my guest today on the Velo News podcast is the recently crowned cyclocross national champion in the elite men's category. It's Gage Hecht. You probably read about his big win on VeloNews.com alongside uh, Clara Hansinger, who won the women's category. Uh, we're going to have a big piece on Clara on the website coming up. But I wanted to have Gage on the podcast because, Gage, you're a guy who's been in our life a long time as a junior and a U23 racer, and I think a lot of people saw you as maybe a dark horse favorite to win this race. Uh, so here it is a few days afterwards. I mean, how are you feeling about the the race in general? What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm still really shocked by it. Uh, I think this is like this is a result I've wanted for a long time. I mean, ever since I was a young junior, that's something I wanted, and to have it finally happen just kind of surreal. Now, Gage, this was a very impressive win because of how quickly you started on the course and, you know, you really set the tempo from the gun. In, in past courses, we've seen the guy who plays the the role of the rabbit, that early fast starter, fade. I remember Max Chance did it last year and he ended up fading. Um, I mean, was that your strategy going in? Why, why go so hard so early in that race? You know, um, we, I watched the juniors and the women race all morning. Um, and it seemed apparent that 
um, the person who led going into a lot of those drops um, tend to come out of them with an advantage. And um, I definitely wanted to take advantage of that. So uh, I didn't have a slow off a line start, but I kind of kept it somewhat conservative and latched on to Curtis. And then I knew that um, cresting that first run up would be important and that that would give me an edge up on everybody else in the field. So, um, yeah, that was a big goal of mine. And my coach, Jim Lehman, and I talked about that a lot is just not so much really attacking from the gun, but just being on the front from the gun and forcing the others to chase back the gaps that open up every time you go down a hill. So at some point you must look back, see you have a gap. Um, what do you do then? Do you, do, you know, does the thought come into your head to try and ease off the gas a little bit or do you, you know, take me through the decision to, to keep it rolling? Well, I think like my natural instinct is to want to like just open the thing up as wide as I can and just get myself as much of a lead in case anything happens just because cross is such a unpredictable sport. Um, but in doing those kind of things earlier this year, I've kind of learned to pace it a little bit better. And I knew that this course with, with the amount of power sections it had, it would definitely uh, lend to somebody who paced it well. So I, from lap one, I really just started ra- racing the course for the most part. It wasn't so much um, um, trying to keep time caps in check or anything. It was just mostly just, hitting the runs as fast as I could comfortably run them and then riding the power sections as fast as I could. And then everything else is just kind of not so much soft pedaling, but riding tempo and trying to set myself up good for the next climb or for the next uh, run up. Now the crux of the early part of this race occurred, I believe lap two, when you and Kerry Werner were coming down this bumpy rutted descent you said that uh, you uh, couldn't see the rut because of some leaves bumped off into the course tape came back onto the course and then Carrie uh, either got caught up in the course tape or said he hit the deck right next to you. What do you remember about that scene? And yeah, just take us through those, those moments of the race. Well, I mean, it was, it was really shocking. I think that was probably one of the faster times I hit that set and you can't really see the bottom from um, anywhere until about halfway down just because it's, it just keeps sloping down until the bottom. Um, so I came over that second crest and you can kind of see my rear wheel hop up to the side as I'm kind of setting up for the bottom there. And that's when I realized that I couldn't see the rut. Uh, and uh, yeah, so then the next thing I remember is just kind of set my weight back just in case I missed the rut and sank into the mud a little bit. And of course that, that makes your um, balance a little bit more unstable when you're in a high G type scenario. So I just shot out the side of the rut. And uh, the next thing I know I was, in the middle of a big crowd of people on the side of the course that were running out of the way. And um, I kind of used the momentum I had to get myself back out of the spectators. So I wouldn't hit anybody or damage anything. So that's, that's where I got back onto the course. And um, yeah, yeah, I was, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do after I got back on course and didn't realize that Carrie would be coming on my right there. So uh, all of a sudden he was right there and he flipped over, Flipped over the taper. I think he was slowing down to avoid the tape, and his front wheel washed out. And then he hit the tape or something along those lines. But um, yeah, it was kind of that was rough to see that first lap or the second lap, just because um, you know I never want to take anybody out or anything. So I think for the next lap or so, I remember being in a pretty big, uh, pretty weird state of mind. It's just really foggy and kind of trying to get get that whole thing out of my head, just because it was it was. I mean, it sucks to be there in that kind of position. 
Yeah, I imagine that something like that has to be distracting, especially when it's the guy who you're riding with on some of these paved sections. And you know, you were setting a lot of the pace, but he was right there. Um, how did you mentally work through that, also knowing that you have these two guys chasing you? Well, honestly, um, I knew that Curtis and Steven were going to be a big threat to the win this weekend. So I was pretty um, – I had a pretty big expectation of them catching me about halfway through the race either way. Um, so I was kind of just – that first lap, I was more than anything just kind of bracing for them to catch me and trying to reset my mind so that when they caught me, they didn't just go right through me. Uh, and then – I started just kind of getting back into a rhythm after they didn't catch me that that lap after the crash. And um, after about a lap or so of that rhythm, I, I think I finally found a good stride again. And that's when I really started going again. You talked to Kerry yet after uh, the crash? Yeah, we were actually in doping together. And he, I mean, I, I felt terrible for the guy because it, it, I just, it, I don't know if there's much I could have done differently. Um, just with the momentum I had and everything, but it, 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 it does suck to have somebody miss a chance at a national title because of something you did. So, um, but I talked to him about it and he seemed pretty good with it. He gave me, he actually gave me a cookie back there. So that was nice. He was, he, he's a nice guy. I really like Carrie. Yeah, you don't be like, hey man, what do you? What's in this cookie you're giving to me? We're here in uh, doping control. I'm not going to test. I positive was a little for, worried. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, it's all good. Um, how do you think that race plays out differently if that crash doesn't happen? I mean, I know it's kind of a uh, sliding doors type scenario, looking into the crystal ball. But I, you know, how do you think that the the race would have been different? You know, it's hard to tell. It's um, I think Carrie was on a good day, obviously that day, and we we had um, exchanged encouragement over the uh, through the start finish line that first time through, and he seemed to be riding pretty well, and uh, I think it would have been just a straight up one, two race between the two of us, just because it would have given us both an extra person to work with um, to keep the Canada guys at bay. I mean, I think both he and I knew that uh, that was kind of the number one objective for the day for that, that point in time was just keeping the Canada guys out. Cause at least there we had a silver medal solidified. Then the big thing about this race ends up being your ability to hold those Candale guys at bay. You know, Stephen Hyde, three-time defending champion, Curtis White, one of the strongest riders of the season, working together trying to bring you back. Now you've had some time to reflect on it and think about it. What ultimately, what was the reason that you were able to hold those guys off? You know, um, I think I just had a really good pace and rhythm that I set throughout the day. I think that was a big piece of it. Um, I, I've been working a lot this year with uh, doing a lot of running while I'm doing efforts mm -hmm. on the, on the cross bike and actually intertwining skills on top of all of that. So I have, uh, I have a course that I do in Parker um, where I've got a lot of corners, like maybe they're not nearly as gnarly, gnarly as the descents out there, but they have similar feeling ruts to that um, as well as um, a good amount of running. So I think training that way really helped that out just because I was much more comfortable with the thing even if i wasn't that much better i just was used to it and could find the rhythm pretty easily um so i think that's a big benefactor but um you know other than that i think there's a lot of good luck that went into the day i think a good amount of support came from donnelly and making sure we were set for the day and 
it was, it was really good. I think a lot of good luck came together. One thing that has always struck me about cyclocross national championships is these eras that it seems to go through. There's the Jeremy Powers era, Tim Johnson era, uh, and we are, you know, there's been this three-year era of Stephen Hyde winning this race. What can you say about the, I wouldn't say, well, I don't know if it's a psychological advantage, but what's the psychological impact knowing that you're going against the guy who's been able to win this race three times in a row? I mean, it's pretty intimidating. He's kind of been, ever since that big, I don't know if bubble's the right word, but big grouping of uh, riders were up there when Ryan Trebone, uh, Tim Johnson, Jay Powell, all those guys were up there every week. And Stephen Hyde is a part of that. And um, yeah, once that kind kind of went away, he was he was the top dog. And now all of a sudden, I think uh, this season has been a big place where um, maybe he's had some bad luck throughout the season, but I think Carrie, Curtis, me, and Lance have all stepped up to the plate a little bit, and um, I think that gave us all some confidence that we we could do that something like that. Then what uh, what was the significance of nationals on your calendar? You know, you're committing to do this pro CX. You're racing week in week out. How important is nationals in the grand scheme of things for you? Um, I think everybody that um, in American cycling anyways can agree that this is the biggest race in North American soil for American riders. I mean, Pan Ams has a higher um, ranking as far as um, the real me- meaning of the the title, but um, I think everybody know- thinks that Nationals is really the, the big, big race of the season. So, um I think that for me, that was, that was definitely the highest point of the season on domestic soil is preparing for nationals. And in fact, I was, um, I did a block in Europe before this to kind of do, do some work over there and get prepared for the, the later part of the season. But, um, the three weeks leading up to nationals, I was, um, pretty much dedicating training to being ready for nationals. So I went out to junction and, uh, grand junction, Colorado and trained with Brandon fix um, and we got some good miles there where it's slightly warmer than Denver. Um, and, but it's, it was good to ride with somebody else that has some really good skill and some really good power. So yeah, we, that was a big help. And then just having some time set aside just to be ready specific for nationals. Well, it worked out, worked out real well. <laughs> yeah. You know, Gage, you're a guy who's been on my radar screen for a number of years. First of all, you're a Colorado guy. I'm a Colorado guy. Um, I was at that stage in Vail at the Colorado Classic when you won the opening stage in dramatic fashion. Um, I remember seeing your name on the results sheet in sort of early 2010s at Junior Nationals where you won a number of uh, titles on the road and cyclocross. And when I see a guy or gal come up who has um, talents in both road and cyclocross, um, I'm always interested because I'm cognizant of the the challenges that poses to a young athlete. Um, you have a big, you know, you have these commitments on the road and focus and goals on the road where there's, you know, there's, there's more money, there's more prestige, there's bigger races like Paris-Roubaix, there's world tour contracts. And then also these goals in cyclocross, which a lot of times, you know, it's can be a little bit more fun. There's uh, more one-on-one engagement with fans and with the crowd and the ability to have individual success. Um, 
And I want to talk more about that, how you have balanced these over the years, how you plan to balance them going forward, and just what role each um, occupies in your mind right now. Uh, I, so I guess a good place to start is just like, you know, up to this point, you know, you're 21 years old. How have you been able to balance, how have you balanced road and and cross up to this point? Um, you know, I won't lie. It hasn't always been easy. I mean, I've had a ton of people in my life that have made it possible. Um, starting back in the junior, like young junior days, like 13, 14, 15, 16, it's not too hard because you're really not doing a huge amount of real hard specific training and your seasons don't overlap too much. Um, so it's not a big deal then, but when you start to bridge that gap into 17, 18s where you actually have real obligations, priorities and training to do, um, it starts to become a little bit of an issue. I mean, um, I got to thank hot twos for being a big, big part of my success, both on the road and, um, for being willing to work with me to get me ready for cross stuff. And then alpha for being a big, big help in the, the, um, doing the same for the cross side and making sure I was able to do the road successfully as well. So I think that worked out really well, um, in the past, but you know, there's, there's stuff like world championships for road cycling that conflict with the, the road or with the cross season. Um, that's always difficult and it's always a bit difficult when the, the road team wants to do a camp in like late January. And that's, that's when you're lining up for cross world. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a balancing act and trying to make sure you're fulfilling obligations and doing everything you need to do to keep the road team happy while also doing the same for the cross team. Are there any instances that you can point to where, um, you got it wrong? I don't know where like you were fried or where a commitment to one or the other just left you in a physical state where you weren't able to perform your best for one or the other. You know, um, I, I mean, I'm sure there's been points, um, here and there. I know that I went to Doha a few years ago and it was a cool race to do. And I'm really thankful I had the opportunity and I don't know if I'd go a different way, but I know I lacked a little bit after that for definitely a couple of weekends to a month, just cause we did so much dedicated heat training and miles. And then to fly all the way to Qatar and, uh, back is it's quite it's quite the energy expenditure so that that was hard but um and then same goes for cross when you're um luxembourg or something in february and then have to fly back and two weeks later turn around and do a big base miles camp that's always difficult um so that those have been kind of the harder points i'd say doha was probably the the hardest transition but I, I think so far everything's worked worked out pretty well in the grand scheme of things. You know, big, strong, powerful rider like you, you excel at time trials, you excel at cyclocross, you have the you know, ability to generate a lot of power. I think, you know, some people might look at you and say, well, hey, you know, Roubaix, Flanders, classics, big one-day races, world tour. Um, is that something that's on your horizon or is that, you know, is that like a big, big goal of yours at this point? Uh, it's definitely on my radar. I mean, Road always is an opportunity to make a career out of the sport. And I mean, bike racing is a real hard sport to make a career out of. Um, anybody that gets into it will tell you that, uh, especially the cross discipline. So um, that's that's always on my radar. And I'd love to, I, I think it'd be really cool to get into some of the like classic style races like Perry and even something like Strada Bianchi where it's, where it's gravel for that in the hills of Tuscany. I think that'd be really cool. Do you feel, though, that you might have to sacrifice 
cyclocross uh, for that ambition. Definitely. It's, yeah, it's going to be some sacrifice somewhere in the year, whether that's um, either sacrificing the later part of the cross season and either not being as good or just not doing it um, or doing the full, that full length cross season and then using that to train for um, the classics. And then you'd sacrifice the main part of your road season. So there's going to be sacrifices somewhere. Um, it's just a matter of figuring out what you're willing to do and what, what benefits you the most in the long run. I guess the next logical question is, I mean, does this national championship change that at all? I mean, knowing that you have these opportunities on the road and this and cyclocross and you've had success on both, but now you have this big national championship win. I mean, does it point you more in one way or the other? Um, you know, I don't know if it changes a whole lot. I mean, it gives a lot of confidence in the idea that I can actually maybe make some money someday in doing cross, which is really nice. So it takes a little bit of pressure that I need to be super focused on road all the time. But I mean, I'd still love to keep doing both. Um, to some extent, I think guys like maybe I'm definitely not on their level, but guys like Wout Van Art and Nasi Vanderpool are guys that love their, their career. It looks like it's been amazing. It's so cool to watch him just do do a lot of different things throughout throughout the season. Yeah, no, I mean we're all captivated by those guys too, and and the seamless transition they've made. Um, it seems like the challenge though is that I mean, you know, they're doing this in Europe where there's a really robust cross scene and an extremely robust road scene, and you look at the transitions going on in the United States road scene with pro road races going away, gravel races gaining a lot of attention and significance. And then also the cross scene where there doesn't seem to be a unified series and sponsorship kind of comes and goes depending on the year. Um, it just seems like a much more difficult equation um, and a difficult needle you're, you're trying to thread than if you were, you know, some super talented Belgian kid. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'd agree. I agree with you on that. It's, it's a lot different over here. Um, or in America trying to make money um, and trying to do both at the same time. There's just so many um, less, so much less opportunity to um, live at home and do all that stuff. So that's, that's the hard part. But I think that with enough, enough work and perseverance of both um, uh, my supporters and my sponsors that we can make it happen someday. And I think, um, USA Cycling is working hard to make sure that um, cross continues to grow in the U.S. And um, we're going to have some up and down sometimes, but uh, that's just something that you got to ride out. Which one do you like more, road racing or cross? Um, I like a lot of different aspects of both, but I think objectively, like the the more, one I love more is cross for sure. Um, it's just so much more. Um, exciting. There's there's so much more going on all at once. It's just it's great. It's just you, the bike, and all about going as hard as you can pretty much the entire time. And there's tactics to it too, but it's not there's not so much just sitting around and staring at each other throughout the bike race. I like that part of it. It's it's a lot more of an athletic sport, I'd say. Yeah, it, based on strength and ability and all of these different things that definitely came together for you on Sunday. Yeah, I got to admit, man, I was watching that race and I kept thinking, okay, they're going to close the gap to him on this lap. This is the gap. They're working together. Or this is the lap. They're working together. And then 
you know, some of these overhead shots, you could see how close they were. And then it just never got there. You, you kept the pace up and kept your rhythm going. And, uh, you know, even though they were seen, they were like right there close enough to spit on you. Just never, oh, yeah. never got there. It, it was crazy. I, I, I watched the replay of it and just couldn't believe um, that it, it stayed like that. There are so many times that they are a couple bins behind me. And I'm glad I didn't look back enough because I probably would have sat up a few in a few of those instances. But um, yeah, it was it was all day just kind of chipping away at that that pace. What's up next for you, Gage? You're over in Europe right now uh, for some World Cups and other cross races. What does the rest of your cross season look like? Yeah, so we do the the next two World Cups are Namur and Zolder over here in Belgium, um, and we do a few other UCI races while we're here. Um, and then I'll be heading down to Malaga in Spain for some training to get ready for worlds. And, uh, yeah, that'll be a good time. We'll get to hang out with a few other American riders and I'll be down there with team USA, getting some fitness in and in the mountains and the nice warm weather. Um, yeah. And then we'll go straight to Nome world cup in France. And from there, um, back up to Sittard and do um, the Hogerheide World Cup and then uh, jump over to Switzerland and race worlds and back home and back to school and back to life, yeah. <laughs> it's going to go by quickly. Well, Gage, we are going to be following your progress here on VeloNews.com and congrats again on the big national championship win. We were all on the edge of our seat uh, watching you go for it. So... I will let you get back to your afternoon there in Europe as you prepare for these World Cups. Thanks, Fred. It's good talking to you. Take care.